0: Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be in this chapter for a little while, longer, as we preach through the book of Ephesians. So Ephesians 4, today we're just going to be looking at one verse, verse 25. And I want to begin by uh, telling you two stories that you probably already know. One is the boy who cried wolf. You're probably familiar with this little fable. Yeah. There was a shepherd boy. And he was out watching the sheep and he decided, I'm going to have some fun. And so he started crying, wolf, wolf. And the villagers came running and he said, ha, I tricked you. There was no wolf. So they all went back. And again, he said, wolf, wolf. And everybody came running. Where's the wolf? And he said, ha, I tricked you again. So they all went back, you know, angry at the boy. Well, then a wolf actually showed up, a real wolf. And he cried, wolf, wolf, help. And all the villagers said, ah, he's just tricking us again. We're not going to go help him. And in some versions, the wolf eats the sheep. In some versions, the wolf eats the boy. So an illustration of the dangers of dishonesty. You know, you you tell the lie and eventually no one's going to believe you and it ends up hurting you. But there's another story well known to most of us probably that illustrates the virtue of honesty. And that's George Washington with his cherry tree. So as a boy, so it goes the story that his father gave him a hatchet one year for his birthday. And George went out and said, I got to test this thing. And he said, that cherry tree looks like a good tree to test out my hatchet on. And so he swung away and his dad saw it and he said, George, what happened to this cherry tree? Did you, did you chop down or did you hurt this cherry tree? And we probably are all familiar with the line, Father, I cannot tell a lie. I did chop the cherry tree. Now that didn't actually happen. That is a made up story but it is a good illustration of honesty and in the story his father says son your honesty was worth 10,000 cherry trees and so honesty a virtue these two contrasting ways of life dishonesty and honesty and the question for us is which one should characterize us Should we strive to be people of truth and integrity? Or is it okay every now and then, you know, a little white lie, never hurt anybody? I'll just get out of this situation by lying. Which one of those paths should we follow? And specifically for what we're seeing in Ephesians 4, what should characterize Christians and the church? As followers of Christ, should we be known for our honesty? Or is it okay if we're not completely honest, if we lie every now and then? So what Paul's been talking about here, as we've seen in the chapter 4, is that the church is supposed to grow to become like Christ. And we're also, as we do that, we will contrast with the world. We will contrast be putting off the, the worldly ways of living, we'll renew our minds, and we will put on Christ-like ways of living. And so what Paul is going to do in the rest of chapter 4 is he's going to give us specific examples and illustrations of what that looks like. What does it mean to put off worldliness, renew our minds, and put on Christ-likeness? And he's going to give us specific examples of that. And the first one that he lists in chapter 25 is that of putting off dishonesty and putting on honesty. That's what we see in Ephesians 4, verse 25. So, how do we do that? Easier said than done, right? How do we actually stop our natural habit of lying and start being genuine, telling the truth, having integrity. That is a lot harder than we might realize at first. And why is it so important? You know, it is significant, I think, that Paul lists this as the first example that he's going to give. Why is that so important? Well, that's what we're going to see today as we look at Ephesians four twenty-five. If you haven't turned there with me yet, go ahead and please turn there. And the big idea for today is simply the verse itself. Uh, There's no point really trying to summarize it, because it's pretty clear what Paul's saying here. He says in Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. And so that's the verse. That's the big idea. Let's pray and ask God for his help as we look at his word and seek to apply it to our lives. Lord, as we have already sung about, we are truly grateful for the gift of your word. We are grateful that you have inspired it and given it to us as a gift, that you have revealed yourself to us so that we may know you, that you have told us in here How to live and not just how to live fearfully, fearing your punishment, trying to escape punishment, but truly knowing that obedience is the path to joy, the path to a a deeper relationship with you. Knowing that you have created these things, created the world in such a way that when we follow your way of living, we will walk the path of blessing. So thank you for these things. And thank you that Jesus has the power to change us. That he alone, by his grace, can strengthen us to live the way that we're going to see how we should live. We don't have the ability in and of ourselves to renew our minds and transform our hearts and change how we live. But Jesus does. Thank you for that. And I pray that as I teach and preach these truths from your word this morning that you would help me do so accurately and clearly and not in my own strength but in your power so that you would receive all the glory and that your church would be built up that the unsaved would be saved that the saved would be edified to be like Christ and that your church would be built for your glory Lord, thank you for the the humbling privilege of being part of your work. What an honor. Thank you for the, the many blessings that we have, the freedom that we have to gather here to worship today. Lord, may we not take these things for granted, but always give you the glory and the thanks for them. And may we let you transform us that we would live the way that we are supposed to live live like christ to glorify him and it's in his name that we ask these things now amen so as jim said last week as we continue on through the rest of ephesians we're going to see a lot of practical applications to daily life we might get our toes stepped on a little bit As we go through these things and as specific sins are pointed out. So be prepared for that. And yes, we're going to work through these kind of slowly. And the reason for that is because a lot of times when we read our Bibles, we can read through these things and gloss over them. And we don't really take time to think about what does this actually mean? And how does it apply to my life? And so I'm hoping as we go through this just step by step, it will really deepen our understanding of the the Word and of our Christian lives all together. And the first thing that we're looking at is verse 25 where Paul talks about dishonesty and honesty. And as he illustrates this process of becoming more like Christ, he begins with the negative aspect of putting off, taking off dishonesty. He says, Therefore, putting away lying. And this is actually the same word that Paul used in verse 22 for taking off the former way of life. It's the idea, like we've heard, that of taking off your clothes, taking off your shirt. You go out and you do work and you get dirty and you come in and you don't leave your muddy clothes on, right? You take them off. That's the idea. You've got these former ways of living. You're corrupt. They're dirty. You take them off. That's what Paul is saying here. And our translation does a good job of the literal translation, putting away lying. But the way this is written in the original language, in the Greek, it actually does have the force of a command that you must do this. And so to make that connection between verse 25 and 22 and that command, the NIV actually does a really good job when they translate it. So this is uh, those portions of the verses in the NIV. It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. And then down in verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. So you can see there that it's a command. There's a connection between those verses that Paul's telling us this is an illustration of what you're supposed to do. So what does that mean, that we put off falsehood or that we put off lying? Well, we, need to, we do need to understand what it means to lie. Because sometimes we think that something is a lie, we, but it's not. Okay. We might think we understand that, but lying is when you make an untrue statement with the intention of deceiving others you have that purpose you say i want to mislead you in some way i want to deceive you in some way so when it's when you say something that you're mistaken about or you're misinformed about and later you find out you were wrong that's not a lie okay sometimes we can call people liars because they told us something that wasn't true and, and they, they thought it was true. They, they didn't realize that they were lying. So like yesterday when I was, uh, I worked at the Peach City the day, uh, book sale at the library and if someone needed a bag to put their books in, we'd give them a bag. And an hour into it, we ran out of bags because we were, had so many people come. And uh, they would come up and I'd say, sorry, we're out of bags. Well, guess what? We found a few more bags that we didn't know were there. They were hidden away. And so then we had a few more. Well, was I lying when people came up and I said, sorry, we ran out of bags? No, that wasn't a lie. I wasn't trying to deceive them and I'm gonna keep all the bags for myself. You know, it was just being mistaken, being misinformed. And it doesn't mean That to tell the truth you have to tell everything okay if someone came up and they asked me okay I've got this bag full of books how much does it cost I don't have to sit there and tell them okay here's our procedure for counting up how many books and all it costs no I just need to tell them it's a dollar go take it to the front desk I don't have to tell everything all the information I just need to tell them what's relevant so lying, what Paul's telling us here, put off that intention of deceiving others. That's really the heart issue that he's getting at. Because you remember what we've talked about here, that these things Paul is saying are ultimately not just our behavior. Paul wants to dig down to our thinking and our hearts, our beliefs, and have that transformed So that we are changed from the inside out. So what kind of heart, what kind of mindset do we have when we are lying? What tempts us to tell lies? Well, really, the list could be endless. I mean, these temptations come in every aspect of life. Maybe you want to protect your reputation in some way. So you a lie, either to hide something bad you've done or to boast about yourself in some way. Maybe you're afraid of the consequences of something that you've done, and so you lie about it. Maybe you just want to make yourself look good, or maybe you think about there's someone you don't like, and so you make up a lie about them, to slander them, to gossip and tell people. Whatever it is, ultimately these things come from a heart of selfishness, and a heart of pride. I want to protect myself. I want to exalt myself. I want to get something for myself. I want to deceive you because I'm more important than you. Whether we realize it or not, when we lie, when we try to deceive people, that's the thinking, that's the heart, the attitude that's behind it. Now you might think, but Zach... Why is lying such a big deal? Does it really matter if I am dishonest in this little area or this one place in my life? It is a big deal. Ultimately, because of what we've seen about God, even last week, that God is a God of truth. Just look up in your Bibles at chapter 4, verse uh, 21. Paul here is talking about Christ and he says, Assuming you heard about Him and were taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. And then look down at verse 24. To put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. God is a God of truth. Jesus Christ, our Savior, is a Savior of truth. And as his people, as those who are being transformed into Christ's image, we too have to be characterized by the truth, by honesty, or else we are betraying God's character. And we are sending a message to the world that this is what our God is like. This is what Jesus is like, that he can't really be trusted. And what if God was not a God of truth? How awful would that be? Think about everything we saw in the first three chapters of Ephesians. All the blessings, all the promises that God's given to us in Christ. Our forgiveness of sin. Our hope of being in God's kingdom. Given spiritual life from spiritual death. And on and on and on. If God was not a God of truth, we couldn't trust that. I mean, that would be devastating, right? To believe, oh, God has promised me I'm forgiven. I'm his child. And then one day we meet him and he says, yeah, I, I wasn't telling the truth about that. How awful would that be? But thankfully, God is a God of truth. We can trust every word that he has given us. And so we need to reflect that in our lives, that we should be people of truth and put on honesty. But also think about all the trouble, all the damage that lying causes. It's so easy, right? You're probably, illustrations, examples are popping up in your mind right now of people who lied and it caused a bunch of trouble. So easy to think of them. Just think through the Bible. Abraham lied about his relationship to Sarah. Isaac lied about his relationship to Rebekah. Jacob lied to steal the birthright from Esau. Joseph's brothers lied and sold Joseph into slavery. Achan lied about the treasure that he took from the city they defeated in Canaan. Peter lied about knowing Jesus. Ananias and Sapphira lied about the money that they gave to the church. There's... All over the Bible, warnings about false prophets and teachers who lie and lead people astray and on and on and on. There could be many more that we could list. Or even throughout history, we all know the Ponzi scheme, right? Probably the most famous example, Bernie Madoff cheated people out of millions and millions of dollars because he lied to them about what he was doing with their money. Or Nixon and the Watergate scandal, lying about his His workers stealing classified documents. Or probably the the worst in all of history, the Nazi party. Their entire system was built on lies, propaganda. Joseph, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Joseph Goebbels, Goebbels, I don't know. We have German speakers who can correct me, but he was Hitler's chief propagandist and he said repeat a lie often enough and people will believe it and that was their whole strategy for taking over germany and making it nazi lie to them big lies lie often enough and they will believe it or maybe even in our own lives we see how this affects us every day children lying about who broke the lamp you know oh uh sister did it It wasn't me that's a lie. Or people lying on their taxes. You know, Angie's a CPA and you wouldn't believe some of the stuff people try to get away with that she runs into. It's crazy. They're trying to cheat the government out of money. Or a bigger deal, spouses lying about adultery. We know the heartache that that brings. Lies cause damage. And all of these Every example that we just listed all goes back to Satan's lie in the Garden of Eden. All the sin of this world and all the painful effects of every sin throughout history all came from the lie that Satan told Eve in the Garden of Eden. And she believed that lie and acted on it. You read it in Genesis 3, Genesis 2 and 3 God tells them, Don't eat of this tree or you will die. And then Satan comes along and what does he say? Go ahead, you won't die. Flat out contradiction of God's words. You won't die. In fact, it'll make you like God. First lie ever spoken on earth, and it's ruined everything ever since. Lying is a big deal. And it's so easy to think of these examples because that's just our natural condition. Naturally, as we've seen, we are sinful and selfish, and so we lie to get our way. That's why you don't have to teach children how to lie. They just already know how to do it to get what they want. So that's what we're supposed to take off. Lying, dishonesty, the intent to deceive Others. But if we take that off, what are we supposed to then put on? Well, it's pretty obvious, but honesty. We put on honesty. Look at verse 25 again. Paul says, Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. So that is what we put on. That's the Christ-like lifestyle that we are supposed to live. Lives of honesty. And it's very interesting. Maybe in your Bible, this phrase is bolded or in quotation marks or something. That's because Paul is actually quoting uh, an Old Testament passage. He's quoting Zechariah chapter 8, verse 16. And why is he doing that? I, uh, I tried to think about this for a while this week as I studied because, you know, if it was me and I was writing this, I would just quote the Ten Commandments Thou shalt not lie, right? But he actually doesn't do that, and he quotes this prophet Zechariah. So what's going on with that quotation that he brings up? Well, in the original context of Zechariah chapter 8 in the Old Testament, the exiled Jews have returned from captivity. They're back in Jerusalem. They're trying to rebuild the city and God's temple. And in the past, God says, I have punished you for your sins. I separated you from one another I sent you away, but now God says, I brought you back and I am promising that I'm going to do good to you. I'm going to bless you. And he gives them a list of commands that they need to follow to receive that blessing. And the very first one, just like here, is this command, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. And Paul lists that first here for how the Church, how Christians should operate. Now, I don't want to put too much emphasis on it because it's not explicit, but Paul seems to be drawing some parallels here. That God said to the Jews in the Old Testament that he would rebuild Jerusalem and he would prosper his people if they spoke the truth to one another. That that truth-telling would be foundational for their new community. And like we've seen in Ephesians 2, in Christ, God is building a new community called the church. And truth-telling has to be foundational to that community. If we are not honest people, we cannot expect God's blessing on the church. We cannot expect Him to build us up into Christ's likeness Honesty is foundational So like we asked with lying, why is truth so important? Why is truth so foundational to the life of the church? Well, we've seen recently some very important statements about truth and the church in chapter 4. So just look up in your Bible at chapter 4, verse 3. Truth unites us as a church. So Paul calls us to the, as a church to be unified. He says in verse 3, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then in verses 4 through 6, he gives theological truths that we should be united around. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So these truths unite us to one another. But also, truth is what builds up Christ's body. Look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. So if we want our church to grow, if we want to be like Christ, we must have the truth. The truth is what builds us up. Then we've already looked at it in verses 21 and 24. But truth is the image of God in Christ is characterized by truth. That God is a God of truth. Christ, the truth is in Christ. So if we are going to follow Him, if we are going to be like Him, we have to be people of truth. And then we haven't gotten to this yet, but one more time that the significance of truth is pointed out in Ephesians. Turn over to chapter 6 and look at verse 14. So, In this chapter, in chapter 6, Paul, when we get there, we'll see he's going to talk about us putting on the armor of God. That that's our strength, that's our protection for spiritual warfare. Part of that armor, in verse 14, Paul says, Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. So truth is the part of our armor that protects our waist, that holds the pieces together so without truth our armor falls off we're defenseless and it's no wonder one commentator said a lie is a stab into the very vitals of the body of christ if you don't have your belt of truth on in goes the knife and the church is stabbed in the vitals we must be people of truth. And living this way most of the time means thinking long term, right? Because a lot of times telling the truth does not get immediately rewarded. You know, it's easy to think of all these examples, like we said, of people lying and they made the news because of the scandal or it totally tore up some event in history. Lying makes the news. Often, honesty does not. Honesty is usually just a quiet, day-in, day-out commitment to telling the truth. But you know what? Even if we never get rewarded or never get attention for being honest in this lifetime, God knows about it. God does see it. And he keeps a perfect record of our honest lives, of our integrity. And he will reward us for that in heaven someday, even if no one on earth ever notices, or even if we're harmed for telling the truth. God will reward us. And that's probably why it's really hard to think of examples of people who were famous for telling the truth. You know, Angie and I thought and thought and thought and thought about this, and we only came up with three or four examples of where people told the truth and it got attention or it made a a big deal. But I did think of one that I thought was very significant, and that's with David and Bathsheba. Initially, you might think, what? (laughs) So the story with David and Bathsheba, right? David sees this beautiful woman. He takes her. He commits adultery with her because he's married to another woman and she's married to a man. And then he tries to cover it up, right? He brings her husband, Uriah, home from war. And he says, why don't you go home, sleep with your wife, so that the child, it looks like it's yours and not mine. And Uriah refuses. He doesn't do that. And then so David sends him back into battle and says, Put Uriah in this place where he'll get killed. So now David's got adultery, deception, murder, all these things racking up. And he's just trying to cover it up. He's trying to hide it. But what happens when Nathan the prophet comes? He comes, he confronts David about this sin. He says, you are the man that has sinned. And David confesses. He tells the truth. He doesn't try to hide it anymore and we see that in psalm 51 the beautiful prayer of confession and repentance and what happens god forgives him i mean by all means under old testament law david should have been stoned to death god had mercy god forgave him because he was honest he confessed and repented of his sin And yes, there were tragic consequences from his sin that happened in his life. But because he was honest about his sin, God forgave him. God restored him to fellowship with him. It's amazing. And that really is the greatest blessing that we can have for being honest. That when we are honest to God about our sins, When we admit that, yes, I am guilty before a righteous and a holy God, I deserve his wrath, his punishment because of my sin, and we admit there's nothing I can do to get one step closer, and we just fall on the mercy of Jesus, we are forgiven. We are granted the full and free grace of God, all of his riches in Christ, his goodness, his love, his mercy, adopted as his children, being part of his kingdom forever. Have you done that? Have you honestly admitted your sin before God and just fallen on the mercy of Christ? that He died for your sin and He rose from the dead and He alone can save you. Have you done that today? If If you've never done that, I urge you to do that. Please, cast yourself on the mercy of God. Find forgiveness at the cross. Honestly confess your sin to a righteous and holy but merciful and loving god and he will forgive you and that's where this all begins right like we've said we cannot do this in ourselves to live like christ first we have to be saved by christ we need new life from jesus himself and so That's what Paul gets to at the end of this verse. We've talked about taking off the worldly way of dishonesty, putting on the Christ-like way of honesty. And if you remember from our previous passage, there's one more piece to this puzzle. It's renewing our minds. And so Paul ends this verse with the truth that we need to renew our minds to change and be like Christ. And it's to renew our minds with truth about Christ's body. That's how he ends verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. This is how we actually change. It's not just through our own strength to say, I'm just going to fight it, and I swear I'm going to tell the truth, and... I'm going to even write it out on paper. That's not going to change your thinking. That's not going to change your heart. Christ changes your heart. It begins with the salvation that we just talked about. You can't understand and experience this truth of being members of Christ's body if you are not actually a member of Christ's body. That's the metaphor that Paul's used over and over again in Ephesians to talk about the church, that when we put our faith in Christ, we are united to him as a member of his body, which means that we are also united to one another as members of one another. And you can't live that out. You can't experience that without faith in Christ without first receiving his grace and his salvation. And so I ask you again, have you done that? We don't live this way to earn favor with God. That's the biggest mix-up that so many people get. They think, I have to live a good life to get close to God. Or I have to live a good life to keep my salvation. Or I have to live a good life to earn favor with God. And yeah, Jesus got me started, but I'm going to work my way up to the rest. No, that is not why Paul gives these commands. These commands flow out of the salvation that Jesus has already given you. That as His grace transforms your heart, your life will change too. That is how the Christian life is lived. It's founded on the grace of God, on the salvation of Christ. We don't live this way to earn being closer to God. Christ has already brought us to God. And so then God changes us. And how does He change us? It's through the truth That renews our minds. And so Paul points out here this truth that we are members of one another. And so when you, in your daily life, are tempted to be dishonest, whether it's something big or whether it's something little, fight it with this truth. You know, something comes up in your life and you think, well, I could just get out of this if I tell a little lie. Don't do it. Remember, no, I can't live that way. I'm a member of Christ's body. I cannot live a dishonest life. So what might that look like in your daily life? Well, maybe someone in the church unknowingly offends you. They do something that offends you. They don't realize what they've done. And so you think, well, I don't like that person anymore. I'm just gonna go and spread slander about them. That's not true. I'm gonna make up a lie and start gossiping and I'm gonna ruin that person's reputation. I hope that would never happen here, but it does happen. If you are tempted to do that, you fight that temptation with this truth. No, if I lie like that, it's gonna divide the body of Christ. But God calls us to unity. So I'm just going to be honest. I'm not going to say anything. In fact, what I'm going to do is go to that person privately and tell them the truth. Hey, you did this and it hurt me. And We're going to be reconciled and that's going to unite the body instead of dividing it. Or maybe at one of our Bible studies, we're discussing a topic and it's so easy to do this, right? We're talking about something and you start telling a story and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and eventually the fish you caught was this big, right? And you're just puffing yourself up and it's not true, it's a lie because you want to make yourself look good. That doesn't build up Christ's body. All it does is build up yourself falsely. It's like a balloon, you just pop it and you realize it's wrong. Or maybe you're at work or something and you have a report that you need to fill out. And it's so easy to just check off, say, Yeah, I did that when you didn't. Or I worked this many hours when you actually didn't. And it's easy to lie about those things. But you should think no, being dishonest like that will make me like the world. I need to be like Christ, I need to be honest. Or maybe your friend or your spouse comes and says, hey, can you do this for me? You know, maybe maybe at home, can you wash the dishes or something? And yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. And they come back at the end of the day and dishes aren't washed. And what's our temptation? Oh, well, uh, this thing happened and I couldn't get to it. And really, we just didn't care. We want to protect ourselves. We're afraid they'll get angry at us or something like that. And so we start making up excuses for why we didn't do what we said we would do. All these things are areas where we have opportunity to be honest like Christ or dishonest like the world. And the key, the root issue that we have to tackle in all this is our heart, is our mind. We need this truth to renew the way we think. So that we become honest like Christ. And so I've given you a handout in the bulletin. If you don't have one, we can get you one. But it's just a simple chart of truths that you can use to renew your mind. That when you are tempted or even when you're not, just take this thing and read through them, pray over them, meditate on them. And these truths will renew your mind. We'll just talk through them real quick. These are some of the the basic truths that we've seen in this passage about lying and about honesty. Dishonesty is a characteristic of the world and the devil. That's what we've seen. The world acts this way. Unbelievers act this way. And it all originated from Satan. But honesty is a characteristic of Christ. Christ. As followers of Christ, if we want to be like Christ, we must be honest. Dishonesty is rooted in selfish pride. But honesty is rooted in love for God and others and faith in God. I put that on the handout. It's rooted in faith in God that I'm going to trust him that by telling the truth, even if it makes life difficult for me, I'm going to trust that I am pleasing him and doing the right thing. And I'm going to tell the truth because I care about others more than myself. And boy, that's not easy. That especially is where we need to pray, God, change my heart. Fill me with your love for other people. Make me honest because I love you and I love others. And then dishonesty divides and breaks down Christ's body. I mean, how easy is it for us to be united as a church if we're dishonest with one another? If we lie to each other, we're not going to trust each other. And if we don't trust each other, we're not going to like each other or have deep relationships with each other. And the church will fall apart. But honesty unites and builds up Christ's body. Authentic relationships, deep relationships where we truly love one another, that requires honesty. And when we have those relationships, we will build one another up to be like Christ. And so our concern is not just for ourselves It's for the body as a whole. It's for each other, for everyone in the church that we have this corporate outlook on the church. It's not just about me changing, not just about me uh, and my life. But I want to do what's best for the body. I want to do what's best for the overall health of the church. And that means honesty. The more you take these truths and meditate on them, the more you see them come up in your life, the more God will use these truths to change you to be like Christ. And eventually, dishonesty used to be our habit, but eventually, honesty will become our habit as God renews our minds to think like Jesus. So let's pray and let's ask him for the grace to do this And let's commit to learning these truths, meditating on these truths so that we can build one another up with them. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We pray that you would help us to love you more, to love you supremely above all else. And Lord, we do love one another, but our Hearts and our habits are just so naturally selfish. Help us to overcome that. Lord, strengthen us by your grace to to be changed, to be loving instead of selfish. And one way that that will work itself out in our lives is by being honest to one another. When we look at each other Help us to be concerned about the other members of this body. That we would love them and build them up with the truth. So help us, Lord, to fill our hearts and minds with the truth. May your spirit renew us by the truth. And may we speak the truth, each one of us, to one another. That you would be glorified in our church.